Alrighty, we are live. Check, checkity, check. It's time to talk about how to stop comparing yourself to other people. I'm starting all on my own this time, that's fine. So comparing yourself to others is something that I'd say 99% of people with confidence issues do and something that very few confident people do, uh, at least not in the same way. So when, I, when we talk about today comparing yourself to others, we're specifically talking about doing so in a sense of like how much worth you have as a person. So a confident person might compare how they are doing a certain dance step uh, you know, in comparison to the dance professional. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about comparing yourself to a role model to, to see where you might be able to tweak and make improvements on a particular competency. I'm talking about when you look at somebody else and go, they are better than me. When you look at somebody else and go, they are worse than me. As a person, often because of some tiny differential in skill or technique, but it's when you blow it up to me like I am less than them. It's when any comparison to somebody else changes your confidence in yourself in any way, especially in a harmful way. And actually thinking of yourself as better than other people is harmful for you. And we'll look at that today. I'll start with a, a story. Um, I'll see. So welcome along. And um, I'll start with a story with, hey Dave, um, with how this affected me. So comparing myself to others, there was a, there's a great little example where I had a friend of mine who was, I'll just uh, do the mute thing here. I had a friend of mine who was a tradesman, a tradesman for life from a tradesman family. Uh, so he was excellent with his hands. He was good with cars. He eventually came to be a mechanic. He now owns his own mechanic shop. Uh, he could build anything, take anything apart, fix anything. And he was my best friend for a long time. And I was the academic kid. I was good at reading. Uh, I was good at all the stuff that school likes you to be good at. I did very well in school. Um, and he would be, he was not illiterate, but he was dyslexic. He struggled a lot with reading. So essentially, side by side, we were two kind of opposite people. He was a very practical engineering type person. I was a very academic, artistic type person. He was jealous of my reading ability. He always felt kind of inferior when it came to anything that required academia reading, understanding, scientific concepts, so on. And I was always jealous of his ability to fix things and do stuff with his hands. I always felt like less of a man around him. I always had to ask him, like, well, where do I check the oil, you know? And I just felt, like, so inferior to him in that. So we had this concept where the two of us were comparing ourselves to each other and feeling inferior when we made that comparison. And yet you can clearly see, if you look at it from a distance, two things. One is we were raised and trained to be good at different things. And secondly, at those times where we felt inferior around each other, we weren't looking at our own strengths. We we're only looking at the other person's and comparing that to our weaknesses. 
Now, this is quite a safe, nice little example. This didn't destroy me uh, or my confidence in any big way, but it did definitely have an impact, and I know it did for him too. He always felt stupid because he couldn't read. And I, I always felt feminine because I couldn't fix cars. And this is what we're talking about today. When, you, when we talk about comparing yourself to others in a way that destroys your confidence, we're talking about how you, you very carefully pick a specific virtue or skill or result and look for others who appear to be achieving differently to you in that specific niche. And then you make a judgment about who you are on that comparison. So you make this huge assumption, I am a weak man because I can't fix cars as good as my friend can. This huge like personality assumption that takes place um, when, when you do this kind of comparison. That's the kind of comparing I'm talking about today. I'm not talking about going, oh, that guy is a little bit better at writing than I am. I want to learn from him. It's like he's a bit better at writing it than I am, so I'm a terrible person. Right. essentially comparing yourself to others is a form of judgment it's either arrogance you think you're better than a person or self-loathing you think you're worse than a person and we usually notice the second one while we only notice the second one we're actually doing a lot of the first one too okay one of the things i found especially when it's working with nice guy and people pleaser type clients is they are so blind to how arrogant they are. They're very aware of their self-loathing. They're very aware of how bad they feel about themselves. But they're blind to the daily judgments they make about how they're better than other people. You know, Even if you say, I'm a nice person, you are implying that other people are not. Right? How could you be nice if there wasn't something to reference that off? Something unnice. You know, if you say, at least I'm very caring, you're saying other people are harsh and uncaring. But we usually only notice when we lose the comparison, don't we? And that's probably also what, what aggravates our arrogance. When we lose a lot, we're looking for who we can win against to kind of re regain some, some points. So this whole measurement system aggravates itself. Every time we feel like we lose, we look for a win, and we're constantly just comparing ourselves to others, moving up and down this invisible, imaginary hierarchy of people and hierarchy of worth, you know, trying to find our place. And there's also this kind of grass is greener thing. We ignore reasons why the other person might be doing better or more skilled in any way that makes sense of it, or any evidence that they're not really doing better overall, we ignore all of that in terms of enjoyment of life. So I might look at a guy who's like, oh, he makes more money than me. I'm, I'm a poor loser without looking at, does he actually enjoy being richer? Does he enjoy his whole life? Does he live with value? Does he, is he honest? Is he a man of integrity? I don't look at the big picture. I just look at my little niche. And I also don't look, hey, he spent 20 years building this through lots of taking risks and being courageous and being determined and all these things I could be if I wanted to. I ignore all of that too. I ignore the backstory behind this difference. And I ignore the bigger picture when I make this comparison. So the grass is always greener. So essentially comparing yourself to others is a form of confirmation bias. You've already decided you're worse than other people. And then you go cherry, cherry picking evidence to back that up.
So I want you to understand there's a circular, uh, a, a circular agreement here. You've already decided that you're a bad person in comparison to others. You look for evidence to prove it, and then that makes you further believe that you're a bad person. And you just go round and round like this in a loop. And you'll notice that you're just all day scanning for how people are better than you. Just scanning for it all day long. Or at least just scanning for how people stack up against you. In all these very specific, arbitrary ways. You'll look at your workmates to see who's earning more. You're looking at your friends to see who's doing better with women. You're looking at uh, the guys at the gym to see who's more muscular than you. You're just constantly scanning for someone who's better than you. And once you find it, there's this kind of confirmation. Yes, I'm less than them. Right? It's this kind of system where you would have to be the best of the best of the best without any kind of denying evidence for you to actually confirm yes, I'm a good person. You'd have to win gold at the Olympics to be sure of yourself. Right? And that's the problem with this system. Because even if you win gold at the Olympics, next year someone's going to beat your record. Next year, next four years. The problem with this comparison system is even when you win, you can't maintain your win. You're going to be beaten. Younger, faster, fitter, stronger, smarter is coming up behind you all the time. So if your self-worth requires you to be better than other people, you're fucked. You don't stand a chance. It's impossible. It's impossible. So as we go on, I want you to notice that this way of measuring yourself, while you might believe it's absolutely uh, necessary or that everyone does it or whatever you believe, understand it's impossible to win this system. It's, it's like entropy. You're going to die. Your confidence is going to die with this measurement system if it isn't already dead. So you're placing yourself in a hierarchy of skills and popularity and achievements, and you're deciding on your worth based on this. And there's a subjective belief coming in here, which is each person is worth a different amount of value. Okay. And you're trying to figure out what your value is. So that's what comparing yourself to others really is. Trying to figure out where you are in the hierarchy of value as a person, based on very specific, random comparisons of skill, popularity, and achievements. And it doesn't work. And it's fed also by your judgmental arrogance. And you compare yourself to someone else, say, I'm better than him, or I'm better than her. All you're doing is furthering the use of comparison as a tool. You're just further conditioning and programming yourself to look for comparisons. And your brain is wired to be risk-averse, which means it looks more for negative than it does for positive. So unless you're a narcissist, you're going to be, if you're doing any comparison, uh, any comparing, you're going to end up spending more time comparing against the people who are better than you. You won't make a fair judgment. So you're doomed. You're doomed to lose. So before I go any further, I want you to just take that in. Notice how comparing yourself to others is doomed. There is no winning in that system because there will always be someone better. You can always find someone better. And even when you're the best at something, you can find another area of life where you're not. You'll always be able to find somebody who can beat you. Yeah. So the next question is, why do we do this? 
What's what's to be gained? Why don't you think back to your childhood? Anything that happened before the age of 18, basically. I want you to notice at school how you were trained to compete in very specific ways with the other children. You're trained to compete on skill, which was translated into worth. If you did well, you were a good boy or a good girl. You notice how you didn't, uh, you didn't get your measurements based on how well you treated others, how honest you were, or your integrity in any way. It's just based on how many other students you beat at a particular thing, a specific niche. And this was, of course, aggravated by your parents and your peers. Your peers would have told you, you know, you would have been popular based on how good you were at something. You know, at my school, if you were one of the cool skater kids and you told teachers to go fuck themselves, that was kind of like a skill thing that you were good at. You're good at not caring and good at being cool. And so you'd be ranked highly based on that. Or if you were very good at sports, you'd naturally get popularity alongside it. How you treated others, how genuine you were, how reliable you were, how kind, none of these things mattered. What mattered was how good you were. So you, you've been programmed from a very, very young age to measure your worth as a person on, on competency. Okay, you've been programmed to measure how good you are based on how good you are at a certain thing. This generalization. You know, your values, things like being honest and courageous and kind and respectful, these aren't ranked highly when you're, when you're young. Right? In fact, you can often get in trouble for them. So if you're very honest with your parents, you get in trouble for the things you've done wrong. If you're very honest with your peers, you get ostracized for being a weirdo, even though everyone else is thinking the same shit. So you get no, no rewards for integrity when you're younger, but you get massive rewards for skill-based competency or for even sacrificing your values to get certain results. You know, and this doesn't stop in childhood. Just look at the media. Look at how the rich and the famous and the successful are portrayed as if they're good people. And yet that can be completely untrue. And yet look at the absolute absence of stories about people who were kind or honest or brave. These are rare. These are like little uh, like puff pieces that they have at the end of a news segment. But the main story is this person was rich and this person was famous and this person was successful. So we've all carried on that system from our childhood. We've carried on this disease of you are as good as your comparison to other people in these very specific areas. So you can be kind and generous your whole life. It won't matter, according to some, if you're not also rich and famous or beautiful, or get laid a lot. So just once you notice you've been conditioned to do that comparison from a very young age, but like how you know many, many people around the world once thought the earth was flat, just because everybody believes this system doesn't mean it's good or true or healthy. We can all buy into a system that sucks. 
human beings have been doing that since our recorded history, right? You know, at one stage, all the Aztecs were on board with sacrificing young children to make rain happen. That doesn't mean it was a good fucking idea, right? So the idea that we're all supposed to compare ourselves to each other, just because everyone believes it, this is called the bandwagon fallacy. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean it's actually right. In fact, even human history, if everyone's doing it, there's a good chance it's not. So we've been trained to, or we've trained ourselves to, to compete on skill and translate that into our worth as a person. Okay. And then of course, on top of this, we have a risk averse bias. So our brains are looking for what is a threat. And socially speaking, that means better people. So if you're in a tribe and there's limited resources, and every now and then the tribe will kick out someone because there's not enough resources, you want to be popular. All right. Now we've still got that brain. So when I'm looking for risks socially, I'm looking for people who are more popular, more likable, more powerful, more able to decide what the group will and will not accept. And I see them as competition or as my potential judges and executioners. So my brain will naturally ask the next question, which is how do I be good enough for them? How do I make sure I'm at least not at the bottom of the pack, ready to be ostracized? How do I make sure I'm not the weird one or the unpopular one or the unlovable one? So our brains are already wired to look for that because that's what kept our ancestors alive. You know, I always say the reason you're alive today is because your ancestors were pussies, right? The brave ones didn't live. But the world's changed. We're no longer in hunter-gatherer troops wandering around in the middle of the food chain. We're in this completely different environment now, but our brains do not evolve that quickly. We still think the old way. And so this idea of comparing yourself to others to figure out how worthy you are is probably a natural byproduct of our evolution. It once was important for keeping us alive. There's also fundamental attribution error. You'll look at someone who's doing better at something and you'll come to the assumptions because they as a person are somehow better. So for example, if you start an art class and the guy next to you just gets better and better at drawing than you are the same amount of time and practice, you assume they are somehow better overall. They're not just a more naturally talented artist with genetics that uh, you know, make them more likely to be a good artist, so you just kind of, you just can't compete with them. You see them as better than you. Yeah, and you also don't see the other guy sitting three, three rows back who can't draw as good as you can. You don't care about that guy. You just care about this one next to you who's better than you because he's a better person. So this is called fundamental attribution error. You attribute their success to a cause that you just made up. The cause being they are who they are and you are who you are. So it's the same thing when you find yourself struggling, like if you go to a new dance class and everyone else seems to be getting the new step that you just can't, your assumption will be there's something wrong with me in general. Not the more likely thing is everybody around me has a very good reason for why they're picking this up quicker than I am. Either their mood's better on the night 
they have genetic predispositions that make it easier for them to dance, they've had more practice than me, blah, 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 blah. There's a reason. There's always a very logical reason why anybody is picking up something quicker than you. In fact, the most logical reason is they're not even doing better than you, you just think they are. But you'll think, no, they are better than me as people because they're doing better than me in this moment by this very specific niche judgment I'm making. That's fundamental attribution error. So I want you to notice that as you go around comparing yourself to others, notice the why story you tell yourself to explain who's better and who's worse. You know? Because that's going to be a huge, huge element to this. There's also uh, what's called the big leap bias, this extrapolation where you look at someone's success and you assume all these things about their life because of that success. Like you might look at someone who's making more money than you and assume that they enjoy life more than you do. You'll make this big leap. You'll see someone like you're desperately single and you'll see someone in a relationship and you'll assume that they're enjoying life more than you are, that them being in a relationship is better than you being single. You don't actually have any evidence for this. Not any real evidence, just kind of what your eyes want to see. But you'll make these big leaps that, you know, I'll see somebody who's, say, more socially confident than I am talking to people and you think, well, you must have a better social life than I do. It never occurs to me he might only have superficial relationships because he's just going around being funny and he actually feels very lonely all the time, even though I've done that before and know what that's like. I just see everybody laughing at him and enjoying his jokes and I think his life is better than mine. So we do these big leaps. You think, you know, my, my favorite example for this, if you're an athlete, Michael Phelps. The guy won so many gold medals, he probably couldn't even hold them up at once. You know, he's got the world record, I think, for gold medals. Think about how many athletes would have compared themselves, how many swimmers would have compared themselves with Phelps and gone, oh my God, his life is better than mine. What happens after his last Olympics? It emerges he has major chronic depression and he's a drug addict. Wrong. His life wasn't better. It's decidedly worse. There's a lot of people who've become famous and they report the same story. There's kind of Look at Martin Lawrence or, or people like that. I just saw an interview with um, Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins. He says, once you achieve a certain level of fame, like a million dollars in your pocket level of fame and success, you go mental. You just lose your mind because there's no higher level to get to. Your brain just fucking fuses out. And he says it was terrible. It was an awful experience. So we ignore things like celebrity suicides, high divorce rates for CEOs, all these warning signs that being more successful doesn't actually mean you have a better life. We ignore that and just assume if somebody's better than me at something, not only are they better than me as a person, they have a better life than I do. They have more pleasurable emotion in their life than I do. Now, it's not necessarily that you're wrong about that, but you don't even consider the possibility of being wrong about that. Right. You look at your CEO, he's in the position that you want to be in, and you think, I want to be him. But you don't actually know that for sure. Being him might suck. One of the things I learned uh, climbing the corporate ladder, if you will, not corporate, climbing the ladder at Department of Corrections, is I always thought the person above me enjoyed their job more than I did. But every time I moved up the rung, my life got more stressful. I got to the point where I'm like, I don't even like any of this. What the fuck am I doing? 
had been like driven forward, ambitious on an assumption that going up meant better. I also assumed that people higher up than me were better than me in some way. And yet when I got up to the top, I found a lot of people had got there through absolute lacking integrity. They had connived and manipulated their way up to the top. I didn't want to be like them. So I was wrong on both counts. Not only were they not better people by my standards, they weren't having more enjoyable lives than me. More money in the bank didn't actually make their life better. Okay. But these are the kind of biases that we bring into this comparison. We're not, we think we're comparing accurately. That's the biggest problem. I think I compare myself to someone else. This is an accurate measurement of myself. When the only thing you can be sure of is that it's not. Absolutely not. And of course, like I mentioned before, the confirmation bias. Before this even started, you already had low self-worth. And you're just looking to confirm why you feel that way. You're looking for evidence that other people are better than you. You're not looking for evidence of what people are and compared to you. It's not an unbiased search. You're cherry-picking evidence for people to show that they're better than you. You're doing this subconsciously. You can't help it. If you go into a room full of people, you're not going to compare yourself to everyone. You're just going to find and hone in on the people who are better than you by your standards. You know, look at that guy, more popular. Look at that guy, better looking. You know, you're not going to be like, okay, let's look at everyone and everyone equally with the same amount of effort. You don't do that. You cherry pick. You also ignore your privilege. So anybody listening to this call is privileged enough to be on the internet and to have the time available to listen to a thing like this. That puts you in terms of quality of life by most standards, above about 70 to 75% of the population of the planet. If you have clean drinking water, you are killing it, right? But you don't think about that, do you? That's not a comparison you bother to make. It's not one you dwell on. You're not like, holy shit, I'm in the top 5%. I'm fucking maxing this out. You're not thinking like that. It's like the top 5% looking at the guy who's in the top 4%, going, oh, He's better than me. Right? Because this isn't a rational assessment. If this is a rational assessment, just all day long, you'd be like, fuck, I am killing it. Oh my God, I am top. Yeah. If this is rational, you've got access to the internet. You can go have a look at how things are in Central Africa and the Middle East and the poorer parts of Asia. You can see what a tough life really looks like, but that's not what this is about. Okay. What I think is really going on here is, as I mentioned, you know, when you're younger, you get trained to compare yourself to others as a way of figuring out who the fuck you are. And that's the problem here. You don't know who you are in terms of value. So you have to rely on reference from other people. For you to figure out how good you are as a person, you have to look at others. So there's an underlying question that's being begged here is why are other people being used as a reference? You think that's, that's just what you have to do. If I have to know how good I am as a person, I have to compare myself to other people. It just makes sense, right? But does it? There's a book called Ordinary Men, and it's a book about Nazi Germany. 
and it explores a, a platoon of soldiers who used to be police officers in Germany. And so uh, before the war, they were just policemen and they would have been a range of personalities, you know, a range from good to evil, just a normal group, ordinary men. By the end of the war, they were all mass murderers. Now, so it's a really interesting book to look at how it is that someone who you could identify with, someone like that's who I am, can end up being someone who murders dozens of people every day, unarmed, you know, innocent people. How someone could become that, how you could become that, how any of us could. The reason I bring up that book is because if your identity depends on who's around you, that's how you can become that guy. What's really interesting in the book is there's a couple of exceptional people. Now, what the Nazis did is they said, look, you've got to go murder Jews, but we won't force you to do it. Okay, if you want to opt out, that's fine. You know, we've got a big room full of Jews there. I want you to go shoot every single one of them. But if it's not your cup of tea, you don't have to do it. We're not going to force you. I mean, there was peer pressure, but it wasn't actually like enforced. You're not going to lose your job or anything. They'll just make you sweep up or become like an accountant or something. What was amazing is they would make these offers to groups of 20 or 30 guys and only one or two would take the option to, to back out. So only in my interpretation of that is only one or two had a solid identity that was separate from the group. You know, I don't care what you're doing, I know what I'm supposed to do. And that isn't this. The rest were so unsure about who they were that they looked to the others of course, in that group are also the psychopaths who don't wait to be told. They go and just start shooting some Jews because they've been looking forward to this their entire lives. And then the rest go, well, if that's what we're doing, and off they go. It's an amazing read how guys went from nothing to mass murderer overnight. And then once they started, you know, it's like their their karma is dirty now. They can just keep doing it and keep doing it. But the people who opted out, some of them eventually gave in and started doing it, but others rebelled. They knew from the beginning, I don't care if every single other, every single other German is killing Jews, I'm not going to do it, it's wrong. They knew that before the war. They knew who they were. So the reason I bring this up is if you're comparing yourself to others to figure out how good you are, what you really are is you're trying to figure out who you are. Because you don't have a solid idea of what that is, you must look to others for reference. Which means if you're surrounded by really greedy people, you're probably going to start trying to be as greedy as they are. You're going to try and catch up to them. If you're surrounded by really kind and loving people, you might try and outdo them with kindness. The problem is, this: both of these, both greed and kindness, could be fake for you or at least the levels you're going to. Because you're just trying to compete with others without thinking, is this even me? I mean, almost anyone who's chased money knows what I'm talking about. You're not born wanting money. Someone taught you that. You're not born needing more than you need to survive. Someone taught you to need more than that. So if you're chasing money, if you're like, I've got to be richer than the guy next to me, you'll ask yourself, where did I learn that one? So I certainly don't need it for survival. 
you know, when you're a child, you know, like, I just want to be friends with people I like. I just want to hang out with the boy at my kindergarten who also likes Tonka trucks like me. And I don't want to hang out with the kid who throws sand in people's eyes. I just want to hang out with the, with the truck kid. But by the time you're 20, you're like, I've got to be popular. Why? Who taught you that? Right. So I want you to just notice this because this was huge in my like up until I don't know maybe five years ago in my own life, comparing with myself to others was my like full time job. I'm constantly assessing and reassessing where I sit. Am I the best in my class? Am I the the smartest in my workplace? Am I earning more money than my friends? Am I getting laid as often as my best friend? I was constantly making these measurements. And whenever I lost, I felt bad about myself. And whenever I won, I felt good about myself. But what was missing from this is, do I even want any of this stuff? Really? If no one else is around, if no one was watching me, would I still be going for all this shit? Like I noticed that when I was home alone, I'd suddenly like, oh, just don't have to compete anymore. Like I genuinely wasn't into it. I just kind of force-fed myself this thing. I want to check in with you guys. I've got a few people on the call now. You can use the uh, the chat box, or if you want, just raise your hand, and I'll bring you on the call for a chat. What do you think about what you do? Like what kind of comparisons you make to others? You know what seems to be important to you, and Basically, how it makes you feel when you do this comparison. So really importantly, so what do you compare yourself to others with specifically? Like what's the areas of life that seem to be a big deal for you? Yeah, and how do you feel when you make these comparisons? Cool. Have a think about that and share that in the group chat. One of the stories I was telling right at the very start was I used to compare myself to my friend who's a mechanic and I would always feel less masculine than him, less manly because he could fix things with his hands and I couldn't even fucking remember how to change a tire. And then he always felt stupid compared to me because I was very academic and he was uh, dyslexic. He couldn't read very well. So we'd sit next to each other, both feeling inferior to each other at the same time which doesn't make any sense objectively. We can't both be inferior. Yet subjectively, it makes sense. What we cared about and compared ourselves on led both of us to lose. Nobody got to win there. He didn't care that he was good with his hands because he's always been good with his hands. He doesn't consider that a strength. I didn't care that I was good at reading because being good at reading is just a constant in my life. I don't even think of it as good as reading. I'm just, I read. Right. All right, I've got one here. So I compare myself to my business partner who's younger than me, but because he earns an equal amount of money, uh, he's an equal partner, he earns an equal amount of money. Sometimes it makes me insecure. What I love about this example is the younger than me thing, like how that matters to you. So what we do is we find a comparison, we see that someone's doing better by a certain standard, and then we come up with a story to explain that that makes us feel even worse. So your story is he's younger than me, like age 
means that he's somehow done this quicker than you, which makes him better and faster than you, yeah, or luckier than you. And this is a really common story to look at someone younger than you and think he got there first, you know. Without looking at your own success, going, oh, we're both doing well. So, yeah, but he's doing well earlier than I did well. So I lose. Right. Yeah. And the funny thing is, he's got the arrogance. So he's doing the comparison where he ends up being the winner. And this is where we can see both people using the same system and coming into conflict. So he's looking at age as well and going, huh, I'm younger and doing well, so I'm winning. And you assume that overall he enjoys his life more, perhaps. He enjoys being him more than you enjoy being you. <clears throat> Without seeing the obvious truth, he's also comparing himself to others. So he's fucked. It's going to come home and kill him soon, if it hasn't already. Right. We often will, will be put off by somebody who is actually proud of being better than us and they brag about it or they humble brag, you know, they kind of drop hints and so on without realizing, oh, the poor bastard's stuck in the same comparison system as I am. Which means he might be beating me in his world, but there'll be someone he's losing to and it crushes him just like it does me. So there'll be some younger guy who's beating me at business. And he's like, <laughs> I got there two years earlier than you, blah, blah, blah. And we don't realize how he gets home and he sees his brother, who's more muscular than him, and goes, oh, fuck, I'm so fat. Because he's stuck in the same comparison system that's going to let him down eventually. The only people this system doesn't let down are narcissists. Because they're biased in the opposite direction. They're always looking for how they're better than people. They don't see how they're worse. But I promise you, after many years of studying psychology, that narcissists do not enjoy their life. They're actually in a constant state of misery. It's impossible to connect with people if you're better than them. So a narcissist's life is a very lonely one. See another one from, I've got a few more coming through. Apparently this one's a ridiculous example. It's all about swimming. So if I'm the next lane of the pool, if I'm faster than the person next to me, I'm better. If I'm slower, Obviously, they've been doing it longer because they're better, and then I think, what the fuck? Just swim as well as you can. It's not a competition. You chastise yourself. This is a great example because if you're comparing yourself to others, it just happens all the time. You know? You'll notice that it will just happen with ridiculous things. Like you're swimming next to somebody you know nothing about, and if you're faster than them, you're like, I'm a better swimmer. They might be just taking it slow that day. Maybe they're working on their stroke technique rather than their speed. And then someone beats you, they might have been swimming for 10 years longer than you and have a coach, in which case you had no chance. And yet you don't think that. You think, oh, they're a better swimmer than me. We know nothing about why we're seeing what we're seeing, and yet we make up this big story, and the story has something to do with how good we are as people. And it doesn't matter whether it's something that seems worth comparing, like how good I'm doing in business, or something ridiculous like swimming next to someone at the public pool. We just keep doing it. Because this is not a rational system. You're trying to make sense of something that is senseless. Yeah. And that's what I noticed in my life. I'm like, I'll be eating next to someone. I'm like, can I finish faster than they can? Am I a faster eater? I remember in high school, we used to have pizza day. 
I can remember this real distinctly. It was quite an emotional memory. We'd have pizza day and everyone got to order a pizza. And some of the kids could eat a whole pizza and I couldn't. And I felt like I was a loser because of that. Because I couldn't stuff a whole pizza into my mouth in a single setting. And I had all my mates bragging like I finished my whole pizza. How is that a measure of my worth as a person? How is it a negative measure that I don't eat a whole pizza? I'm sitting there feeling bad about myself because my stomach lining can't handle as much dough as my friends. What a weird thing to compare on. And yet it affected my self-worth. I was embarrassed that I couldn't finish my whole pizza. That's how stupid this system is. You take it really seriously when you're comparing yourself to the guy who does really well with women or the guy who's good in business, the guy with the abs. Then it seems to make sense. But actually it's as ridiculous then as it is in the swimming pool eating pizza, or any other stupid thing you compare yourself with people to. The biggest problem with the system is you take it seriously. You think it's an actual measure of something that's worthwhile to measure. You know, like how young you were before you achieved something. Like that matters for some reason. Right? Once you think, why does it matter? Why? What, what's the end game of that? Will it somehow prevent my death? You know, I always think of this like we're all going to die. So this guy doing well at this thing, is he less likely to die than I am? Is that what it is? Like if someone is better with women than I am, then he gets to live forever and I miss out because he got it. Like what the fuck am I worried about exactly? And it's not a hypothetical question. Like what is the worry there? If someone's doing better than you, what's the threat? You know? Is there a judge that's going to come around and go, ah, oh, I see you lost the, lost the swimming. When you're having that casual swim, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have to kill your whole family now. Like, is that going to happen? What is it that you're worried about is going to happen? Because you're worried, but you haven't actually thought what it is you're worried about, what the threat is. Right? Got another one here. I feel like I have to be above all my friends, finances, belongings, relationship. If somebody I feel is better than me, especially in the areas where I have limiting beliefs, I hate that person instead of making him my inspiration and motivation. Ah, and also, you know, hating when you find out your partner had more sexual experiences than you in the past. That's another great one. So comparing yourself to someone you love and ending up resenting them because of that comparison ending up resenting and losing connection with your friends because they're doing well. Can you guys at least see how unhealthy the system is? Because right. your biggest problem is you believe in the system. Your brain can make comparisons all day long without you taking them seriously. That's not the problem, the comparison. The problem is you take it seriously. Right. And it's when you look at your life and go, okay, how has comparing myself to others affected my confidence and my connections with other people? You get a big <clears throat> in response, big negative, right? Put it this way, and this is one of my favorite little arguments. If comparing yourself to others worked well for you, you wouldn't be listening to me right now. You wouldn't be on the school. You'd be living the dream, right? I know it sounds like overly simple, but I really want you to just take this on board. 
the system is not something that you have no control over. You might not be able to stop yourself making these little comparisons, but whether or not you take them seriously and decide that they are a measurement of your worth, that you do have control over. That's what's hurting you. You know, I was at a party just the other day and there's a guy there who was really tall and I just looked up and I was like, fuck, it must be nice to be that tall. But what I didn't do after that is go, oh, I'm too short. I just let him be tall and enjoy being tall, knowing that I'm something that he isn't and he doesn't get to enjoy that. Right? Like I've had a life in New Zealand. I'm sure he would love that. Everyone in Czech is obsessed with New Zealand. So he gets tall, I get life in New Zealand, we're even, right? That's the big picture, yeah. And even if you're like, okay, that person in life has just gone from one win to another. Like I've got a, one of my, my best friends, he's what you just call incredibly lucky. Everything just works out for him. Every time something goes wrong, he ends up double winning from it somehow. I remember when we were in high school, he crashed his car and the insurance paid him double for it. And he's just been winning ever since, right? I could see somebody who's been bullied all their life, got no money, pain after pain, suffering after suffering, looking at this guy and just being going, this is, this is unfair. He's, he's a better person than I am. He has a better life than I do. And in one sense, it's not that you're wrong about that, but you're missing the big picture, which is he does not have the benefit of your suffering. You don't know. You can't see your strengths because to you, they're normal. You know, let's say you're majorly chronically depressed and you have to battle through each day. You think battling through each day is normal. To somebody who's winning, if they had to experience that, it would destroy them because they don't have your strength and resilience. But you don't see it because it's normal for you. I don't see being able to read as a strength. And yet someone who's dyslexic or illiterate looks at me like I'm a god. Right? Because I don't understand what it's like to not have this strength. I've always had it. You get a lot of this with guys in Brojo, especially. As they look at people who have like had it easy in some way, which is usually like very much misrepresenting the facts. But regardless, you look at someone, they're just kind of winning where you've always struggled. And you think somehow they're better than you, they're stronger than you in some way, rather than thinking they're luckier than you. And without realizing that one day, they're going to have heartache and, and carnage in their life. It's going to happen, it happens to everyone. You know, that same friend I mentioned before just had his first divorce, and no divorce is fun. Now, he got through it pretty well, but I look at even someone like myself, who's had a lot more apparent hardship than he has. And I think the divorce wouldn't have crushed me as much as it did him. Because I've, I've been upset before. I know what that, I know how to get through that. I've had things not go my way before. I've, I've, I'm, I'm wise in those matters. He isn't. This is a new one for him, not winning. There's a fragility to him where he's crushed by it. So if those of you have like felt like you never won and you just have to battle for every little thing, I feel like that in business sometimes. Like 
there's guys in my line of work who some video goes viral or whatever and they're just superstars overnight and they never have to like put any effort in ever again so it appears now i'm lucky if one of my videos gets like 100 views you know and sometimes that gets to me i'm like oh man it's so easy everybody else just has this massive blow up and i have to catch every drip in a bucket kind of thing but then i look at myself i'm like i am so used to losing that it doesn't even hurt anymore like nine out of 10 things I try don't work properly. It just doesn't even bother me. Yeah, I know people who are one all the time. Something doesn't work properly. It, it ruins their week. Because they're not experienced in lo losing. Not like I am. And I'm not as experienced in losing as like some immigrant from the Congo of Africa who's been through nothing but civil war their whole life. You know, I met such a guy. And he has a good day if he gets to go to the shops and buy something. Like that's his day like sorted. He's just like, oh, I can actually like buy a jumper when I need one. Life is good. I'm like, damn, that guy gets to enjoy life a lot more than I do because his life sucks so much more than mine did. He's got this different range. It's so much easier to be satisfied with him. So I really want to, I don't even know how I got into this point, but you're making this comparison without looking at the bigger picture without realizing that in every single case, you have a strength that they don't, that if they're aware of, they would probably also be envious of. But you don't even see it as a strength. You don't realize that it's kept you alive up till now, whatever it is, that's provided you with whatever small pleasures in life you've been able to experience. You know? Even like a great example is you guys here. I mean, anybody watching this or involved with Brojo is obviously into self-development. I know a lot of people who aren't, they're quite resistant to the idea that they could improve themselves in any way. And because of that, they get stale and they plateau and they end up doing the same cookie cutter life that everybody else does. It's not a bad life. You know, it's, it's the wife and two kids and the picket fence and the work 50 hours a week until you die kind of life. Fair enough. If you want to do that, you can do that. But they never get to like find out how cool it is to like, you know, find a new skill that you didn't know you could, you could do to find some courage that you didn't know you had. You guys into self-development get to do that, right? These guys don't. So there might be somebody out there who doesn't seem to need self-development or whatever, and they're just rolling along. You think, oh, why do I need courses or coaching or anything? And this guy doesn't without realizing, well, if he considered, maybe he's missing out. You know? but that's the point is that this comparison system is not rational this isn't a system that makes sense when you actually look at the facts it's a confirmation bias of low self-worth that's all this is you're looking for reasons to prove that you're a bad person you're not really comparing yourself to others if you're doing that you'd always come out kind of even because any balanced assessment will find like we've all been kind of dealt us a hand of cards and some are good and some are bad and we're all pretty much even on that the fact that we're all alive proves it we all had enough to stay alive some had more of this and less of that and so on you know like i know guys who just kill it in business they're so good with sales they just you know they're just winning 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 but they really struggle to connect with people meaningfully so my bank account had zero but i think man i have deep conversations all week long they don't so we're like even, you know, their bank accounts full, but they feel very lonely. 
it all kind of balances out if I look at the big full picture. And also if I take into account human nature, which is we are wired for dissatisfaction. No matter what you've got, eventually you're going to have a, had enough of it and want more. It's just a natural evolutionary biological drive. We need that to survive. So no matter you look at someone like, I don't know, Dan Bilzerian, who has everything that every guy thinks he wants, it only takes a couple of weeks of that before you go, mm, what else is there? You can't help it. It's like this endless hunger that a human being has. So whoever you're comparing yourself to is almost certainly as unsatisfied as you are in general. Because they don't see what they've got like you see it. They just see it as, this is what I've got and had for a while. What's next? You know? And it was amazing when I met the guy from Republic of Congo, was he? Is that where he's from? What's that part of Africa? Oh, Sierra Leone, that's where it's from. They're like real shitty part of Africa, it's just always fight. So it's from there and, you know, it used to be for him, satisfaction was finding a meal. He used to run in this little orphan gang because his parents were killed in civil war. And so he, he never went to school or anything. He's just running around jungles basically with his little group of mates trying to find something to eat and avoid patrols of soldiers and shit. Like that was his life, which I can't even fucking comprehend, you know. I'm like, I'm getting bullied for being a nerd and I think that's bad, you know. Anyway, so he's, this is his life. Like, if I find something to eat today, today was a good day. And then after just a few months after immigrating to New Zealand, he's probably already like, ah, oh, my shoes are looking a bit dirty. You know, because his, his satisfaction range will adjust to his environment over time. So you're jealous of these people without realizing their inner experience is very similar to yours. And sometimes even worse. I have no doubt, for example, that Kim Kardashian has a worse experience than I do. Right? After years of studying confidence, I know what signs of very low confidence look like, and she's full of them. Right? Nobody who's highly confident tries to use a sex tape to become famous. It's just not possible. That's just not how it happens. So I look at her with all her fame and her riches and her glory, and I think, oh my God, it actually sucks to be her. It sucks more than it does to be me. But we don't do that comparison when we're using the system, because this isn't really about comparison to people. It's just confirming that you're the loser that you kind of suspect you always were. There's more comments here. Let's read these through. These are great. So one here is, uh, I was a child and teenager. I was studying chess. I couldn't really make progress in the end. I was okay, but not that great. I was continuously saying, look at that guy and look at that guy. But I was more about hanging with friends there. And most players I know have achieved something. They really compared themselves to others and that helped them to push their limits. So what about challenging situations which could be not, not just at sport, as well at work, for example? The sound keeps arguing. All right, so one of the things that drives this belief system is the idea that for me to be successful, I need to compare and compete. Okay. And on one side of this, there's some truth to that, which is I will never run faster than when I'm racing against somebody. Okay, competition has this element that brings out like the highest performance in, in a person. 
yeah you'll you'll be able to because physically you can do a lot more than you're mentally limited to do and there's some great science behind this this is how like a, a mother can lift a car off a baby and you put her in the gym she can't deadlift like 20 kgs right it's because the actual limit's not in her muscles but in her mind competition is a way to break through limits you know you think oh, i can only earn 50 grand a year until you find out a guy just like you earns 100 and suddenly you're like unlimited you're like oh maybe i could too so i won't say that it's unhelpful but that is rational comparison to others we're talking about okay i go compete against better athletes so that i can be a better athlete that's got nothing to do with self-worth in fact that's actually self-development you know challenge myself to grow but when I lose the race and go, oh, I'm a fucking loser, now I'm back in the old system. Rather than realizing, hey, racing was actually an achievement for me, whether I win or lose. I'm essentially using my comparison to another guy to drive me forward. It doesn't matter actually what the result of that is. I'm just using it as a, a motivational tool. It's a whole lot different to being like, I have to win this race to be a good person. Chess is a great example. I know chess is pretty big in Russia. And it's a great social um, measure in, in countries like Russia and China. You know, chess players are like the superstars quite often. The thing is, chess is almost all down to genetics. You know, basically IQ decides chess. That's a big generalization, but basically the best chess players in the world are geniuses. Average people just can't beat them. They do not have a brain that's capable of what they're capable of. Just like I'm never going to play in the NBA, no matter how much basketball I practice. Right? I don't have the genetics for it or the history with it. Right? I have to be, play basketball my whole life and even a short guy in basketball is six foot plus at that top level. Like I'll just get destroyed. Right? So one of the things is, this actually reminds you, one of the problems with this belief system is this idea that you should and could be good or the best at anything. And that if you're not, it's some sort of failure on your part. Without realizing we're all dealt certain cards, we're all different body types, for example. Some are going to be naturally predisposed towards success in certain areas. In fact, they all are. You know, I found that I'm quite good at manual labor, which is a shitty thing to be good at, but I am. I have this like Scottish stamina. I can just work hard, long hours that hurt your back without pause. It doesn't do too well in any sports but it's very good for like digging holes, right? So I've got that, yay me. Whereas I've got a friend who's like tall and he's got that lanky strength. Like even though he's skinnier than like toothpick, he's stronger than anyone I know. And it makes him excellent at like all extreme sports. So he's always good at like motocross and snowboarding and surfing and everything. He's just got the body that's as good at all that stuff. And he's good in like two minutes. Like when I, I, I went snowboarding with him the first time, what he learned in an hour took me like four weekends of snowboarding. You know, within an hour, he was trying to do tricks. And I couldn't even like do the falling leaf thing without falling over. You know? So we don't even take into account genetic predispositions and realize that's, that's a card, you know, that we're dealt that we don't have any say in. You know? I come from a long line of like short squat easily sunburnt alcoholics like that's the card i'm dealt like I'm, I'm gonna just have to play that card i don't get to rearrange those ones and that puts a limitation on my abilities it really does 
not my abilities for my own satisfaction, but in competition with others, it puts a limit on it. This isn't low self-worth to say, I'm never going to be the best at basketball, because I'm not. It's literally not possible for me to be the best at basketball. I can be excellent at basketball by my own standards and thoroughly enjoy it. That's possible, but I'll never be the best. If you've ever seen, uh, there's some, some great stuff on Michael Phelps's um, physiology. He has a weird skeleton. It's, it's an unusually, it's a bizarre skeleton with these extra long arms and shit. Like if he got dug up in the future, they're going to think he was a different species. He's this really weird shape, which makes him ideal for swimming. So other people don't actually stand a chance swimming against him because he's like, he's closer to orca than he is human. Right? It doesn't matter how good you are as a human, you're not going to be better than his skeleton, especially when it's well-trained. And the same applies to anything. Social skills, making money, their genetic predispositions and childhood influences. There's a great book you've got to read called Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, which shows you that the reason some people are more successful than others is so much more to do with things you've never heard or uh, never considered than what you think it would be. For example, nearly everybody in the Canadian ice hockey top league was born in a small fraction of the year. These months, I think it's January to February. Nearly every single person was born in that period of time. And that's not a coincidence. It's because that made them the biggest kids in school. They were always the oldest kids in their class. So they're always the biggest. In school, the biggest kids are always the best at sports. It's not even a skill thing. It's just size. So that means they always won at sports, which means they got taken onto the rep teams and got the extra special coaching and training. And so by the time they're 20, they've had all this elite training and everybody else has just been playing in their driveway. And that's why they're in the top league. You can't compete with that. How are you supposed to compete with when you're bored? You've got no chance. The system is designed to support people born at a certain time. And that's actually the main factor. Because their whole, if you expand your view out and see their whole life, that's why they're doing well. These are the things we don't think about when we're comparing with others. We don't take into account all of these factors and come to the conclusion, holy shit, I'm doing as good as, good as I possibly can in my circumstances. There's comparing myself to another person tells me nothing. If someone beats me in the race or they're wealthier than I am, all it means is their entire life was different to mine. That's all I know for sure. Because if it was the same, we'd be doing the same. Right? This isn't about worth, it's about the cards you're dealt. Let's have a look. Ah, uh, yeah, just a technical note. The volume shifts on the Zoom for some reason. I'm going to have to find somewhere else to do this probably, but the volume's going up and down. That's just the system. I don't know why it does that. Henry says, uh, I feel like failures and rejections are actually a blessing sometimes. Absolutely. Do you think you get strong from success? I've made a video once about success. It's actually less than what you can do. There's a great example of this. Um, who's a really fast guy? Usain Bolt. It was the last Olympics I saw him in, actually, and he won, well, he won everything. But I think it was a 200-meter final, and it's coming up to the last, like, 30 meters or something, and he looks side to side, and he sees that he's so far ahead that he can't lose. 
and he slows down and kind of like just gloats and like cruises over the line. You guys have probably seen it. The, when he wins a race, he's like starts jogging at the end almost. I mean, jogging for him is still like, you know, 11 meters a second, but he just, he just buttons off because he's already won. He doesn't try to go any faster than he needs to. And I remember being quite disappointed when I saw that. And I was like, well, why did he do that? Like, why is winning enough? And that's a really interesting thing. Like, my small assessment of him based on a very tiny piece of evidence is that winning is what's important to him, not racing his best. Because once he got to winning, he just buttoned off. Whereas somebody who racing your best is important wouldn't even be looking at what the other people are doing. They'd be just trying to beat their own record. I even suspect, and I could be wrong about this, that he deliberately slowed down so that he wouldn't beat his old record. and wouldn't have like a higher bar set that he can handle. Now, I'm not sure that that's, you know, I'm assuming assumptions here. So uh, assuming intentions, which is really uh, wrong to do. But I remember seeing him button off and just go, that's something about that's really not cool. On the other hand, it's not a big deal. He's enjoying himself, whatever. But it just shows you why he's at the Olympics. He's not there to do his best, he's there to win. I'm not saying that's wrong, but if that's what he's there, then his whole system of worth is based on comparison to others. As long as he wins, he's good enough. Whereas my system of worth, which we'll, you know, we'll talk about soon, I have to race my best, even if I lose or win. Right? That would be my system of worth. Did I give it my all? Did I try to live to the most like I'm fullest available? Oh, I've got a couple more here and then we'll go into how to change your system of worth. Ah, so Kiwi Saver. So uh, Andrew heard someone talk about Kiwi Saver when I had 15 years to go, the other 25. Anything until what? Retirement? I love that idea, like, work a shit job and then what? Okay, so you've got enough money so you don't have to work anymore. And then you've got, like, 30 years left. What are you going to do next? Just, like, Scrooge McDuck on a pile of money? <laughs> you know, like, what, what's up with that? You know? And just goes on saying, I realize that's what I became, but I didn't really want that 25 years ago. I listened to my elders and betters, get a job, work hard, enjoy your weekends. In the 30 years, you might be able to live like you want to, which did not involve money or possession. Here I am, unhappy with life and searching for a way to escape the corporate grind. This is, I think, the true tragedy of this system. Just like the Nazis, we're trying to compete with people without asking, should we even be doing this? We think, of course, being a Nazi killer is worse than working a nine-to-five, but is it in terms of suffering in yourself? You know? I just uh, did a piece, if you guys haven't seen it lately, on the top five regrets of the dying. <laughs> no matter what list you look at, in the top five, working too hard. And where do we get the idea that we need to work hard? Comparison with others. Notice how people brag about how busy they are, as if that's a good thing. You notice that? Oh my God, I'm gonna run off my feet today. And you're like, well, here's your certificate, well done. Good on you for not being able to manage your time and have an enjoyable life. 
Well done, you. Here's your medal. Yay. We don't stop and think, oh, we go, fuck, I better look more busy because they're killing it. Right? We don't stop and think, well, maybe being busy sucks. Maybe that's a shitty way to live. Maybe cruising along and enjoying yourself is better, which would require less work. Maybe less money, but more time. My top five regrets are the dying, not spending enough time with family and friends. What do competitive people do? Neglect family and friends. And they get to the end of their life and they go, whoops, too late. Yeah. This is why comparing yourself to others, while it might have some motivational benefits, what is it motivating you to do? Something good for you? Because being motivated to massacre Jews isn't exactly a worthy goal. Being motivated to work yourself to death just so that the numbers on your bank account look high might not be the best way to live. It might not be the only option. And if it was satisfying, why is it that rich people can never be rich enough? You know, you notice that? Why is it Warren Buffett keeps working? The guy's got enough money to retire an entire country and then he's still pulling like 12 hour days. I hope he enjoys working. I suspect he's obsessed with winning and suffering, you know, sacrificing his enjoyment of life. I suspect being the richest man in the world has got to his head and he's trying to keep that title. I see this with people who miss out on opportunities to connect. I saw this a lot in the pickup thing where somebody would finally start getting more popular and they would actually like miss out on friendships because they're too busy trying to find someone else to like them. You know, they'll be talking to some girl at a bar and the girl will like him. they will be like, oh, girls are liking me tonight. Better go find some more. I'm like, dude, this girl likes you right there. Where are you going? He's just trying to rack up numbers rather than going, well, I've got what I fucking came here for, a connection with somebody. Let's make it work. I've got three friends that love me. Why would I go seeking new friends when I can go hang out with these three? But if you're comparing yourself to others, you're like, I don't have enough friends. I'm not getting laid enough. Yeah. So let's talk about a different way. I want you to just imagine, even if you don't use my way, which isn't even my way, it's what I've been taught. But even if you don't use this way, ask yourself, does your current way work for you? Comparing yourself to others the way that you do, is that increasing your quality of life? Is it increasing your self-confidence? Right? Not is it creating success, because that's a dangerous measurement, because you can succeed at killing Jews. It doesn't mean it's a good thing. You can succeed in making money. It doesn't mean that you enjoy life more. So not is it increasing my results, but is it increasing the, the purpose of those results, which is to enjoy life more? Do I enjoy life more? You know? It's one of the things I found with coaching is that, you know, when I was in my job before coaching, I made more money, you know, and it was easy money. I showed up and they, they paid me and, I had to sacrifice my integrity to do a couple of things I didn't believe in, but basically just money just pours into my bank account. It was easy. The 
the upside to being academically gifted rather than good at fixing cars. But being a broke coach, far more satisfying. I'd never go back. Right? That means that once a week or so, I have to look at my bank account and go, ooh. Right? But that's a small price to pay for like, can't wait to get to work when I wake up rather than like, fuck, should I call in sick? Which I had to go through every single day in my old job. Every day I wake up like, oh, is today a sick day? Can I pull it off? You know. But my old job, I just, I just kept like competing with other people to achieve something I didn't even want. I didn't know I didn't want it because I'd never done anything else, you know, because I'd always been in the comparison game. So I want you to just open your mind that if you're in the comparison game, just a simple question, is it working for you? If not, open your mind, maybe there's another way, even if it's not my way, just any other way. We actually get what you want, which is probably self-confidence, enjoyment of life. What I think you need to consider is you need a measurement of self-worth that's effective, more effective than the one you've got now. Okay, if your autopilot is to see how you are compared to others and that's not working with you, you need something that's more effective than that. And if possible, something that requires no comparison with anything that you either don't fully understand or don't control. So when you compare yourself to another person, you don't fully understand why they're doing better. So you don't really know what you're comparison, comparing yourself to. And you can't control them. So you can't control the thing you're comparing yourself to. Right? So you want something you can control and you do understand. Any measurement system, is, you talk to any scientist, the measurement system must be understandable, must be controllable. There are no scientific studies that are just based on how you felt at the time when it comes to the measurement part. You know, you don't get two mice to run a maze and you go, which one did I feel like won the race? You know, which one won the race? It's a measurable, controllable system. Right? So if your worth is going to become something you can measure and control, then the system has to match that. Now, one of the things I want to put in there is, and this is personal opinion, so we're in the sort of advice section now which you can take or leave, okay? Because this is just what works for me. It doesn't mean it'll work for you. But it's just some insights that I learned from the comparison system. I don't even compare to my past self anymore. I've learned that that was as delusional as comparing to a different person because I am actually comparing to a different person when I do that. Who I was in the past is not who I am now, so it's a different person. So, for example, if I'm depressed right now, and I compare myself to a time in the past where I was really happy and motivated, that's not fear. Those aren't even odds, right? That guy is gonna be doing so much more with that kind of energy than I'm gonna be able to do with my level of energy. And because a lot of people do this, they'll say, you know, I only compare myself to my past self and they're proud of that as if that's a good measurement system. And yet they're stuck in the same problem. They compare themselves either to their better self or their worse self in the past, which doesn't actually give you a sense. So if I compare myself when I'm happy and motivated to when I used to be depressed, I'll feel like I'm killing it when I might actually be plateauing and not making any progress. I'm just feeling good. Right? 
So it's not actually a reliable measurement system for how well I'm doing or how good I am as a person. So for, for a measurement system to be effective, it has to be fair. You have to have a chance to win every time. You know, it has to be something, if, you're, if it's going to improve your self-worth, then you have to always be able to win in this measurement system. Win in a way that you earn, but is possible. If I'm always comparing myself to a faster swimmer, I can never win. Right? But if I compare myself to a value system of determination, all I have to do is be determined while I swim. Try my best, then I win. It's always available to me. Nobody can take it away. It's just up to me whether or not I do it. That's a comparison system I can always win. I can always control. I can always measure. So, you know, you guys know me, so you know where I'm going with this, which is values. Values of the system. Rather than comparing myself as a person to other people, as people, I compare my behavior to my values. And I've trained myself to make this measurement. How does what I do compare with my values? It's a system I can always win, I can always measure, I can always control. It doesn't mean I always win, because it's also a system I can lose, but I have to make a choice to lose. So this isn't some sort of bullshit positive system where I'm like always a you know a participation award, you know, that kind of bullshit they have in school these days. I have to try to win in this system. But it's not impossible ever. It's always within, no matter how I'm feeling at any given time, I can always make my behavior align with my values if I want to. I can always put that effort in. The results in the outside external circumstances are always different. But like being as honest as possible is always something I can do. Being as courageous as possible is always something I can do. Being respectful as possible, always something I can do. I don't always do it, but I always can if I want to. So rather than measuring like how popular am I, I might measure how honest I was. Okay. So I met the new person at the party. I was a bit anxious because I don't know them and they seem kind of really like dominant. Did I let them see that I was anxious or not? That's my measurement. I don't have to not be anxious. I don't have to be popular. I just have to be honest. Now, if I'm not, I will punish myself for that. Not harshly. I'll say, oh, you fucking lied. So if he was a chance of being a good friend, you missed out. That was your, that's on you. Don't do it again. This isn't a system where I get to be, you know, patting myself on the back no matter what I do. I have to earn my points. But I could have been honest. Right? So you have to be able to be done any time, any situation. There's always a chance to win and losing is just a lesson. Right? Rather than like the way you guys have described comparing yourself to others, which you know lines up with the way I, I did it quite a lot, was that basically losing is almost inevitable. You're going to lose eventually. And even when you try to win, there's still somebody who's better than you. So it's just like an impossible system. And if you're a narcissist and it's reversed and you're just winning all the time and everyone's worse than you, 
And you don't get to learn anything. There's no lessons from losing. There's no improvement. There's no seeing what you could be. This is also combined with like catching yourself when you're doing the old comparison method. Because I still do it. It's innate in me. My, my social anxiety to keep me alive from my ancestors, it's still there. So I get to the party, I still scope out who's popular. I can't help it. Right? But when it comes up, I challenge and question it rather than just believe it blindly. Blindly. If someone seems to be popular, I go, why? First off, are they actually popular or am I just seeing something I interpret as popularity? And if they are popular, why is there? Same example, I went to a party the other night, there was somebody who seemed to be well-known by everybody. Rather than going, oh my God, he's a better person than me, like I used to do. I just went, I wonder why. That was a pretty good answer for that. It was his engagement party. That's why. He's the one person in the room who knows everybody and is friends with everybody. And it's his special day. Problem solved. He's not better than me. Right? It's his day. Good on him. I'm glad he's got love in his life. Why is that? Why is that something against me? More of that than Maria. If he's if he's a popular guy, he's less likely to fucking do harmful shit. Probably, if he's happy with love in his life. Good. That's good for me. It means there's one less person on the street who'll mug me out of like repressed rage. Excellent. I win from that. You know. Well, another thing is you can reframe other people's successes to their values or lack of values. So someone's richer than you, it might be because they're living more by the value of determination and courage than you are. Or it could be because they're a scammy cunt. So them being richer isn't necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, it all depends on why they are. And if it's because they're living by your values better than you are, then this isn't a comparison problem. You're not living by your values. You can't say, oh, that person's richer than me when they've been more courageous than you. When you could have been that courageous, but you chose not to be. You can't blame that on them. They're just doing what you should be doing. Right? But if they're richer because they scammed and connived and manipulated people, something you never want to do anyway, then what's the point in comparing with them? They're not the guy you want to be. Right? I look at someone like, I'm not getting political here, but I look at someone like Donald Trump becoming you know, the leader of the United States. If I'm going to become a leader at that level, I don't want it to be the way he did it. I don't want it to be marketing and gloss. I want it to be on, on virtue. I'd rather never be a leader than be one the way he became one. So he's not a comparison for me. Whereas someone like the coach John Wineland, who leads a massive community, because he's so very, very honest and open and full of integrity, that's someone I can look up to. And I don't feel comparison and competition. It's more like what Henry was saying before. I'm like, he's an inspiration. I'm like, ah, so if I can just stick with this integrity thing, that's what's possible. And even if I don't, I'd rather live the way he lives and say the way Trump lives. Yeah. So you ask yourself, is there values behind their success? If they're richer, maybe they're more disciplined. If they're popular, maybe it's because they're more courageous and honest. If they're good looking, maybe it's because they take care of their health. 
that it comes back to something you could be doing better. It's got nothing to do with them. You could discipline yourself more. You could take bigger risks and be more courageous. You could open up and be more honest. You could put more effort into your health. None of these things are unavailable to you. Right? You can't have the overnight suddenly catch up to them and their level of results. That's not available to you. But doing what they did to get there is, and you have to decide whether that aligns with your values. Yeah. And just challenge every judgment you make. Separate facts from the assumptions and stories you tell yourself. Right? If someone did better than you, what do you actually know about why that happened? If someone's swimming faster, you, faster than you next to you in the swimming pool, do you know why they're a faster swimmer? Or are you just making up stories about how they're better than you? Right? Same with the slower swimmer. Do you know why he's slower? Is it deliberate? Is it the best speed they can manage? Have they actually been swimming an hour before you got here? You don't know any of that stuff. And just acknowledging that you don't know. You know, I, I met a, when I was really pushing myself socially, I was going around after the whole pickup phase, I went around just talking to anybody. So I'd go into the street and I'd just pick someone at random and go talk to them. And one guy was a homeless dude sitting outside a cafe. I remember he caught my attention because he looked like kind of he shouldn't be homeless. He looked like me just being homeless sort of thing. Like he didn't look all raggedy and methed out or anything. So I went and talked to him, and the first thing, you know, surprised me is he had an American accent. And I started talking about, so I individually judged him as homeless sort of thing, and all the connotations of like, he must be, what, stupider than me, luck, less lucky than me, whatever these things. Got talking to him, it turns out the reason he's homeless is he made a mistake with his immigration, and now he can't get out of the country, and he doesn't have enough money to get out of the country. I'm like, fuck, that's a mistake I could easily make. And I have made that mistake since, actually. Right? I got kicked out of the Czech Republic for a similar era. But he was in an island country of New Zealand where he can't just go walking somewhere. He's fucked. Got no family support, no access to the internet because he's got no money. I was just like, holy shit, that's like a pothole anybody could step into. One false move and you just slip through this crack in the system and all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, I've got nowhere to sleep tonight. And there's nothing I can do about it. That was him. And I was just like, huh. My original judgment was probably that I'm better than him. Now, a more accurate judgment is I'm not traveling as much as he is and taking as many risks as he is. That's all. That's a more accurate judgment. Which isn't necessarily means that I'm better than him. I mean, him being homeless shows that he's more courageous than I am, actually. Because he's willing to put himself at risk of this where I wasn't, not at that stage of my life. I've since traveled alone and taken greater risks. I don't know if he inspired me exactly. I only just remembered him now. But the guy who I looked down on for being homeless actually turned out to be a guy who was living closer to values I had maybe than I was. A lesson learned. He paid a price because you can always pay a price. It doesn't matter how well you live by your values. Something's going to get you. But then he's also being humble. He's just sitting there going, please, can you guys help? Um, I've got no power in this situation. Rather than like fighting against it, he just accepted the situation and did what he could. I was like, would I be humble enough to beg? I don't know if I would be. 
That's a flaw in my character. I could die out of pride, you know? So what you think is happening for someone is probably not what's happening for someone, which means comparison with them is irrelevant. If you don't know what you're comparing yourself to, then it's not a measurement of anything. Yeah. Especially when you say someone's better, what's the final result? You know, that guy who makes all that money. What's life like for him on his deathbed? Is it better than yours? Are you sure of it? You know? I went to a property seminar, property tutor seminar. Uh, one of those flashy things that they try to get you to sign up to some program. So there's a guy who runs it, a classic dude, and he, he's um, some property guru guy. He made tons and tons of money from flipping houses and stuff. And the funny thing was, and this I, I think about the only genuine moment he had in the day, the rest of it was just sales speak. But he talked about one of the reasons he was running this program where he coaches people to buy properties is because he's got no friends. And it's just this very heartfelt moment, which I actually believed. Where he's just like, look, I've been in this for a lot of years and I just don't know anybody. And like this way I get to like hang out with people while I do what I do. And I believe him. You know, I don't think that was a sales pitch. I think that was a moment of, of authenticity that came through there. This guy's killing out his bank accounts full. What's his primary feeling? Loneliness. Is that really something to be jealous of? Right? And there's lessons there too. People have what we think we want. Go ask them, are they having the satisfaction that we assume comes with it? Because if not, we've got to question what we want. You want to be really popular or really good with women. Are you sure that that leads to the feeling that you're looking for? Because I'm, I'm friends with a lot of top pickup artist guys who get laid a lot, a lot. And they still have like crashing waves of depression, crippling loneliness, loss of self. Putting their dick in a lot of girls didn't cure that. And I, I learned that lesson. I was like, as I was going down that path, I'm like, okay, I've seen a lot of evidence that this path doesn't lead where I think it's going. Do I have to go all the way down there to find that out for myself? Or can I try something else, like being honest? I'm so fucking glad I did that. Like, learned from their mistakes and like got myself out of the fantasy that they had a better life than I did and actually asked them, how are they? You know? You ask all the variables taken into account, effort, experience, technique, different approaches taken, genetics, upbringing, environment, desires, preferences. Do you know all of that about someone when you compare that yourself to them? Because okay. if not, then you're just making up some shit. You know, when you said before, like, oh, the guy is getting my business partner is younger than me, but getting paid the same amount sort of thing. Do you know everything that led up to that for him and how it feels to be him? Do you know what it's like to be inside his skin? My guess is no. You know what he presents. He might look really confident, for example. He might tell you that he loves life. But if he's bragging, then he almost certainly doesn't. It's one of the things I love about being a confidence coach is I've just become, my radar for confidence is so accurate now. I'll see someone, everyone else thinks it's confident. I'm like, that guy fucking hates himself. I promise you. Why else would he brag? 
why would somebody who's content within themselves try to get approval from others? Right? So all those warning signs, all those all that evidence that you think is someone that's enjoying my life better than me, you gotta ask yourself, why am I even seeing this evidence? Why are they showing it to me? Would a confident person try to show it to me? Yeah. And he says, sounds like Donald Trump has confidence issues. <laughs> yeah. Most people at the top do. Not to confuse confidence with like narcissism or um, it's kind of like confidence can have all these different definitions. I don't doubt that Trump thinks he's an awesome person. Right. But that's more in the arrogance narcissism level. He thinks he's better than other people, and I'm sure it's an incredibly lonely experience for him. And of course, he's the image that is Trump, and he has to maintain that image all the time. So whoever he really is underneath that orange-dyed skin never gets to be revealed, and I'm sure that's a lonely experience for him. Okay. There's a few more comments, actually. I just noticed I missed them. Good one. I feel jealous. Young guys can get a pilot license just under 50 hours. I'm over 80 hours now and still struggle. Yeah, this is it, right? But you're not comparing, comparing yourself to the people who are too scared to ever fly. Notice that? You're one of the few that were bold enough to try and get your license. Imagine how many people have talked about getting a pilot license and not followed through. Imagine the millions. But you compare yourself to just a couple of people who did it quickly. Is that a fair comparison? Well, how does it stack up to your values? 80 hours and still struggling? Determination, persistence, courage. There's a lot of integrity going into your 80 hours. Gives a fuck how somebody else did 50. Right? The fact that you're struggling shows that this is a, an act of integrity. You're going against it even though it's hard. And even though it's easier for other people, you're still going. Notice the difference in feeling when you change the measurement system. You know, if you want to compare yourself to others, compare yourself to all the people who are too scared to start flying. You're 80 hours ahead of those people. Yeah. Notice how irrational that measurement system is. Got another one here. I once told a recruitment agent that I was more processed and outcome goal oriented. He slapped me down and said, you must drop that. Only focus on results and outcomes. Process is irrelevant. Only reaching the goals matters. I didn't go back. <laughs> Good. Recruitment advisor. Is that the position you're jealous of? Why are you taking advice from someone if you're not? Think about how many times your comparison is by what other people say. They say you should want this and you should want that. And you don't stop to check, do I want to be that person? Is it their life? You know, it's really interesting for me when I went to start my own business. You know, heaps of people said I shouldn't do it. I was really actually quite surprised. I thought that was something you saw in the movies. I thought people were just generally supportive all the time because my parents always were. But when I wanted to start my own business, all my friends kind of turned on me. It was a really shocking experience. And there are a lot of this comparison, you know, like nobody you know is good at it, blah, blah, blah. 
The only one person who was supportive and said, give it a go, was the one successful entrepreneur I knew, multimillionaire. The only person giving me advice that was actually lined up with my values was the guy who was the, living by my values. He had taken those risks. He was a go-getter. His millions weren't the point. His millions were just a byproduct of his endless determination, courage, risk-taking, you know, and his ability to not give a fuck what other people think. Now, the same friends who are telling me not to start my own business worship this guy. Because they're always looking at the comparison thing. Where I looked at him, I'm like, nah, he's being the kind of guy I want to be. It's not about the millions. It's everybody told him no, and he said yes to himself anyway. That's what I like. That's the kind of guy I want to be. I don't care if it makes me millions. I just want to be the guy who says yes to himself. That was a helpful comparison. I didn't compare myself to his money. I compared to myself to his values and realized they were the same as mine. Whereas my friends, I don't know what their values are, but their advice certainly didn't line up with my values. The advice of be safe and just have a boring life didn't line up with what I think someone should do. Right? Where else we go? <laughs> is a Porsche just a penis or ego extension? Or is that just my arrogant assumption because I don't want one? This is an opinion on my part. But what I've found is that the most confident people are minimalists. And I, I think that this isn't a coincidence. People who are truly confident in themselves do not need external validation. So the only time a really confident person would buy a Porsche is because they want to race Porsches. Okay. I'd say anybody else buying a super flashy sex symbol type car is doing it for approval from others. Right. Now, there are probably some exceptions, like somebody always had a goal and they just wanted to complete that goal, perhaps. But when it comes to flashy cars, flashy clothes, extentious, you know, obstentious displays of wealth, guys bragging about how much they get laid, whatever it is, when someone's trying to show you how successful they are, I'd say you're pretty safe that your first assumption is they have low self-confidence, not high. High self-confidence? Mark Zuckerberg goes to work in t-shirt and jeans. You never see a Gucci belt on that guy. Really interesting to see uh, someone like Jay-Z as well. Back when he had a, there's a great little uh, picture someone made of him when he was earning like $100,000 a year. He's covered in chains and all this sort of shit. And then when he's earning a billion dollars a year, he's, he's, there's actually a picture of him talking to Mark Zuckerberg and they're dressed the same. You know, he's finally over it. He's finally past the like trying to look like he's rich and trying to convince other people that he's successful. In my, my interpretation, he's either still needy but realizes everyone knows he's rich now and can kind of be at peace with it, or more likely, he's come to realize after a certain amount of wealth that money doesn't matter that much. You know, and so he doesn't feel the need to show everyone that he's got it anymore. He just wants to dress comfortably now. Very much opinionated on my part. This isn't like scientific fact I'm talking about here. But as someone who studied confidence for over a decade, I can safely say that very confident people, they don't need to prove it. They don't need to tell you about it. They don't need to try and convince you. So one of the things is, is anybody trying to convince you that they're doing well? The first question is, why are they trying? 
to convince me. If they're confident, why do they need me to give them a pat on the back or a thumbs up? Here he says, Bill Gates, great example. Bill Gates just quietly goes around trying to save the world. You know, he spends most of his time in Africa working on water projects and waste disposal and vaccines and stuff like that. The only time he publishes it is when he's trying to promote that kind of work. He's trying to get other people to do it. You don't see him bragging or trying to get awards for doing it. You don't see him dressing up fancy or putting on like an African like hat and dancing with the natives and getting a photo for the fucking National Geographic. He doesn't do any of that shit. He just goes about his work. Tell you what, a great person to, to keep an eye on, Keanu Reeves. That guy's consistent. You know, there's so many great mythological stories about him because of this. You know, people just meet him on the subway. He still catches the subway. He doesn't need a fancy car. He still lives in a flat with like friends from his high school, apparently. This guy's got matrix money coming out the ass. Doesn't try to prove anything to anyone. He just does what he loves for a living. You know, there's so many stories of times where he was with someone and they ran out of money, so he rescued them sort of thing. There's uh, something I saw, was, I'm pretty sure was validated and confirmed. Uh, how did it work? He, he made some money on the Matrix. I can't remember exactly what it is, but he sort of paid all of the, the backstage people a bonus. It was something to do with that. Uh, like they didn't get paid or something and he paid them out of his own pocket. What's amazing about that is he didn't tell anyone he did this. This actually got leaked by one of the other people. He didn't brag about it. He just did it because it was the right thing to do. There's a guy with a solid measurement system. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. Right? There's a guy who probably doesn't read the reviews critics write about his movies. He just knows he did his acting. That's measurement complete. He doesn't need to hear what other people thought of it. You know? The last thing I really want to say on this is even if someone is better than you, how does that excuse you from living by your values? Why is someone being successful excuse for you to not do what you're supposed to be doing? Because I suspect that this comparison measurement system, that's its secret hidden agenda to get you out of shit. If I can convince myself that someone's better than me and I've got no chance of competing with them, suddenly I don't have to try so hard. I can give up and procrastinate and complain and whinge and be a fucking victim like everybody else. It's a nice little setup for that, you notice? Comparing yourself lays a foundation to get out of the hardship, like being courageous and being honest and doing the stuff that has to be done. That actually doesn't matter if you win or lose. Andrew says here, from Moody Blues, do what makes you happy, do what you know is right. There is nothing about comparing yourself to others that's required there. But if you do compare yourself to others, you'll probably make yourself unhappy and you'll convince yourself to start doing things that are wrong. Yeah. So those are my thoughts. How to stop comparing yourself to others, simple answer. Design a system where you compare your behavior to your values and actively measure yourself against that system every day until it replaces the old system. And while you're doing that, 
challenge the old system every time it comes up. Challenge it for accuracy. Challenge it for factual raw data. And Henry asks the big question, if I do stop comparing myself to others, I feel I won't grow. Watch what happens when you compare yourself to your values. When you realize you weren't as courageous as you could have been. Or you weren't as honest as you could have been. Watch yourself be motivated to change those numbers. Because that's what the, my biggest problem was. I'm like, my competition with others is what drives me forward. That's where my ambition comes from. And I thought if I don't have that, I'm just going to sit around the couch like watching Game of Thrones reruns all day, you know, smoking weed. But what I realized is when I had my values as a comparison system, I felt very guilty sitting around all day smoking weed because that didn't line up with any of the things I was measuring myself. I was getting zero out of 10 for all of them. And I literally, for some time in my journal, had an out of 10 measurement. Honesty out of 10, courage out of 10, right? And I was trying to up those numbers. It's what led me to publish two books. It's what led me to start my coaching business. It's what led me to do all sorts of videos on public forums that get lots of hate mail and stuff. It's pushed me to do some pretty incredible things. It's moved me to Czech Republic. I'm getting married this month because of that system. It didn't slow me down, it sped me up. But it changed my direction. Instead of trying to get rich, trying to be popular, trying to live the life everybody else lives, I started trying to do this other thing because my values were like demanding that I do it. Right. Put it this way, Henry, I have no doubt if you focus on trying to be determined and courageous, you'll keep flying. But I also have no doubt if you keep comparing yourself to people who are earning their wings quicker than you, you're going to lose motivation for flying. It's going to add to the struggle, not decrease it. So remember what I said, even if comparing yourself to others, you don't want to do my new technique, ask yourself, does comparing yourself to others work for you? Or does it make things harder? Because a lot of people, they attribute their success to comparing themselves to others without realizing actually that's what made it so much harder. You know, I succeeded in my career because I compared myself to others. No, you succeeded despite comparing yourself to others. Comparing yourself to others just made you feel like shit the whole time. You didn't need that to go further, right? But there are some times where comparisons help. Like when I used to think, oh man, I can't do pull-ups, they're too hard. And I saw that David Goggins had the record and he did something like 3,000 in a single day. I'm like, okay, I'll try some pull-ups, you know? But it wasn't like David Goggins is a better person than me. It's more like, oh, he made me realize that maybe pull-ups are possible. Thank you, David. Not, you're better than me. Right? Or when I meet a coach and he's like, yeah, I make 200 grand a month. I'm like, holy shit, how the fuck do you do that? Not like you're a better coach than me, but teach me. Teach me some shit. You know? And what I'll always do when I have conversations with people like that is I also try to give back to them to remind myself that I also have value. I, uh, I just did a conversation with a coach just like that. I actually published it recently. Where financially he's doing a lot better than me in coaching but I was able to help him with some honesty stuff. We swapped, we swapped strengths. The honesty thing that I now find easy to do is his current struggle. The money thing which he finds easy to do, my current struggle, so we swapped. It wasn't like who's better, it's like let's both win here. 
Yeah. And Henry, those guys who are learning to fly quicker, maybe they know something that would help you. Maybe you know something that would help them. Maybe not, but have you had that conversation yet? You know, rather than sitting in dark corner and resentfully, bitterly glaring at them in the like airline bar or whatever, go have a chat to them. Be like, dude, how'd you get your hours so quick? What do you know that I don't? Tim Ferriss is great for this as a role model. Tim Ferriss has made a whole career out of talking to people better than him. His whole podcast, all his books, everything is just going to people he thinks are doing better than him and asking for their advice. The result, he's a successful as fuck dude who lives by his values. If he sees someone who's better than him, he goes, learning opportunity. That's what he thinks first and foremost. He puts aside whatever his way is and tries to learn their way. And because of that, now he's got like a thousand ways available to him. Remember, comparing yourself is not rational. It's not some motivational system because it doesn't make sense. It demotivates you and it's not based on any truth. It's just a get out of jail card. It's a how do I convince myself I don't have to do the hard stuff technique. Subconscious. But you can override it with a new system. See someone that's better than you? Go learn from them. Want to improve? Give yourself a values challenge. Try to be more honest than usual. Try to be more courageous than usual. Whatever your values are. Right. Well, last comment, I'll wrap this up. Andrew says, in the last couple of weeks, I've started being more open and vulnerable, asking for help at work. And I've never had anything negative happen, which I feared. Looking incompetent, and now they're coming to me for help about things I know more about. This is a great... A great example. This is what I went through at my old work as well. I didn't. I ever never wanted to ask for help because I would admit that I was somehow less than the best. And I started asking for help. And I was like, "Huh, this is like free money. Like every piece of help I get, I become a better person. Why have I been avoiding this my whole life? Why was I hanging on to the pride of being the best when I could go to other people who know more and then really become good? And then, in, like in Andrew's experience, because I was humble enough to ask them for help. They felt it safe to come and ask me. And we'd just swap, and then the two of us would win together. You know? I look back at my friend who I'm no longer in contact with and think, fuck, maybe I could have taught him how to read and he could have taught me how to fix cars. And then we would have both known both instead of just sending their feeling inferior to each other. You know? As Andrew says, irrational fear held, held me back. Comparing self to others is based on irrational fears. It is not a helpful motivational tool. Don't believe me? Spend a week comparing yourself to your values and trying to improve those numbers and see if you need comparing yourself to others to motivate you. See if you can't do it all within your own system of control. Alrighty, guys, let's wrap it up there. Nice big long one. Thank you guys so much for showing up live sharing your stuff and uh, this topic is open to discussion we can definitely improve on it and develop it over time compare it to other systems no. um, let's let's keep having this conversation because I really from the bottom of my heart I used to spend a lot of time comparing myself to others and now I just don't almost at all and it is like a weight off my chest it is not 
reduced my motivation. It's increased it. It's like I was dragging this weight behind me of everybody else's achievements and letting go of that weight, I can move a lot faster. I can make more mistakes. I can just get on with shit without having to win. I really believe, because I've had the same experience with a lot of my clients, that this can work for other people too. Thank you, Henry. <laughs> he says, I wonder why your videos get less views than stupid animal videos. Well, because stupid animal videos are more entertaining. Simple as that. That's fine. I've watched stupid animal videos myself. Um, but actually, that's uh, one last thing I will ask for help with. I, I don't ask for this enough, but if you guys like something that I've put out there, please share it around. You know, just chuck it up on your social media page, send it to a friend by email, anything. I don't ask for it and I think people assume I don't need it, but um, it, it does a lot for me when people share my stuff around, you know? So if you like something, please share it around, only if you like it. You don't have to do it just out of some sort of sense of helping me. Do it because you really think other people should see it, if that's the case. Um, yeah, it goes a long way for me. I'll really appreciate that. I share my own stuff a lot, but that's a self-promotion, you know? People can't take that as seriously. Alrighty guys, uh, Resonating paid content. Now I'm talking about the free stuff. My YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. Blog, yeah. The paid stuff, that's just for you guys. It's exclusive. Cool, you guys get to keep that all to yourselves. Which this is one of those. Alrighty lads, till next time. Um, I will, yeah. Let me know what other topics you'd like for us to have in these webinars. I'm open to ideas. And I'll see you all in a couple of weeks. Sweet. Cheers. See you, mate.